You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. We are going to finish up our vision series. Uh, We've had a two-parter. The first part was five weeks. This part is four weeks. And Logan and I are super excited to do something exegetical, easy for me to say. Uh, We're going to do something exegetical next week. We're going to jump into the Old Testament and take a look at Jonah and the big fish. Is that a Veggie Tales? We, if, if we, if we don't show Jonah some part of Jonah and the big fish on the screen next week, we have failed. Something will be coming out of Veggie Tales. I hope they give us permission, or we may just have to beg for permission or uh, beg, beg for forgiveness. Yeah. At any rate, um, we are finishing up our vision series called Living the Story. And the thing we've been wrestling with is what does it look like for us to make disciples in 2019 in Missoula? Obviously, Jesus, Jesus' disciples, Peter and the gang, they had their experience. Our experience is a little different. So how do we figure out what this looks like in our context? And we started the series looking at the woman at the well. And we talked about how Jesus shared his life, right? He started off by just engaging with this this woman he just met. And he doesn't jump right to, you know, have you accepted me as your savior? You know, he, he invites her into this conversation, he engages with her, he treats her with respect. And, and as the conversation moves forward, he invites her into a deeper conversation, and, and she, she chooses to engage that conversation. And at the end of it, she goes to her community and said, come meet a man who's told me everything I've ever did. Can this be the Christ? And so Jesus shared his life and his story with her, and in response, she went and shared about Jesus and help people, other people, her community to connect with Jesus. And that's what we talk about. That's what we mean by sharing our faith. Let's look at the wheel again. So we use this graphic as, as a way to, of having a common language when we talk about what does it look like to make disciples. And as disciples, we're called to share our life with people share new truth, our own story, our own spiritual story and the gospel, and sharing new habits. And then once someone comes to Christ, once someone has started that journey with Christ, then we need to connect them to God, connect them to small group, which is family, and connect them to purpose. Now, we mentioned that at least this first half of this graphic is not necessarily linear. You know, when I grew up in the faith, when I was growing up in the faith, I thought my job was to get people to church. If I could get my friend Joe to go to church, then, you know, somehow I get some bonus points or something. I don't know. Um, I thought that's, and if, and if Joe didn't want to go to church, I didn't know what else to do. 
my best friend from college came to Christ by playing Christ in a play. Can you imagine that? Hey, how would you like to be Jesus? He knew who Jesus was because he grew up in a Catholic church, but he really didn't have a connection with Jesus. He came to Jesus playing Jesus. And so someone connected him to purpose long before they ever connected him to a small group, long before he ever connected to a church, long before he was shared new habits, but it was effective. It was, a, it was the next step he was willing to take. And so we want you guys to understand that inviting someone to church isn't your only card that you could play with your friends who really do want to know more about God and what it means to be in a relationship with them. And so that's why we're going through this series. And where we get the whole idea of, of connection, why do we connect people? We get that out of Acts 2, 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and breaking of bread and to prayers. This is what the new converts, 3,000 people that came to Christ, this is what the disciples did with those folks so that they could disciple these people that just come to Christ. Now, again, if you remember when we've talked about connection, about connect, there was a church of 500, roughly, that jumped to becoming a church of 3,500. We're like, what do you do with that? Well, connect is what they did. They helped these people to connect to God, to small group, and a purpose. And then last week, Logan talked about the importance to train people to minister. This part is linear. We, do, we need to equip people for ministry before we ever release them for ministry. Right? So we equip people for ministry, we provide ministry opportunities, and then we release them to do ministry. And Logan looked at um, a couple different verses. You know, we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I went through that this morning as part of my own personal study time. And, and in that, we find that we are all part of the body, that we all have a purpose, and that we all have good works to do. In fact, Ephesians 2 says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one should boast. So on the front end of this conversation Paul's having with the church from Ephesus is that your salvation is not based upon what you do. You can't earn the right to have a, a good relationship with God. We don't do that through our works. There's other religions that uh, adhere to that, but Paul says that's, that's not the case with us. It's grace that saves. It's faith that saves. But then he goes on, he says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, when he says what we are his workmanship, I was thinking about 
my friend Brandon. Where's Brandon? So Brandon came in this morning, and he says, hey, I got this door knocker. You know, about two-thirds, three-quarters done. So, you know, Brandon is a, he works with metal, and uh, he gets things really hot and bangs on things, and when he's all done, it looks, it looks beautiful. The thing about this, this is his workmanship. Brandon's thought about this. It's, it's got a design. It's got purpose. If I try to use this as a fire poker, guess what? It doesn't work very well. It's too short. Um, he can make you a fantastic fire poker. You could ask Bob about that. Um, but there's been purpose. There's been intentionality that went into this. Paul uses that same concept when he talks about you. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. God has purposed. He, he spent time and energy thinking about how you fit in within the, within the body of Christ, within your community, and how God can use you to work out his purposes that he has for this great city that we live in. So God has works for all of us that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so that's connect. And we said that we get the definition for what it means to be a disciple out of Matthew 4, 8, 19. But I want to look at Matthew 4, 18 in conjunction with this because it's going to matter for today's sermon. It says, while they were walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then our definition for what it means to be a disciple comes out of this next part. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. What I want you to know is that my heart's desire is to help you figure out how to live out your own personal calling whatever that looks like. Some of you may become pastors, but most of you probably not, honestly. But whatever your design within your community, within your neighborhood, within your work environment, within this church, whatever that is, as you follow Jesus and are changed by Jesus and are on mission with Jesus according to your design, Logan and I, it's our job to help you understand what that looks like, the journey with you to know how to live that out well. And so that's what we're here to do. And throughout this series, we've talked about God's part. We said that God draws people. He's the one that convicts. He's the one that reveals truth at the, you know, at the heart level. God causes growth, and he signs giftings and roles within the church. But there's one more part that God plays that I want to talk about today. But first, I want to start with this question. What do I do when I fall short in some way in the discipleship process? Or what do I do when I fall short in some way 
when it comes to my calling, my design, me living out well what God has created me for. What happens when I get busy, I get distracted, I get disillusioned, or I just flat make a mess of things? Because in my 40 years of following Christ, I've, I've, I've done all those things. What do we do? What do we do when we get off track in pursuing God in this discipleship process? Well, to answer that question, I want to look at Peter's story, and we're going to uh, be reading from John 21. And if you know the story, up to this point, Peter denied Christ three times. Jesus was uh, tried before Pilate. He was crucified, he was buried, and he was resurrected on the third day. And he's already shown himself to the apostles two other times. And so this is Peter's third encounter with Jesus since his resurrection and just before his ascension. So let's pick it up in John 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And this is the Sea of Galilee. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. Now, when Peter says he's going fishing, he's not going fly fishing with uh, Dave and Glenn and myself. He's commercial fishing. He's going back to the family business. He's going back to what's comfortable. He's going back to what he knows. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. This should remind you of another fishing story with Jesus and the disciples. And so they cast it, and now they were not able to haul them because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, <laughs> that's John, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. So apparently John remembers their first fishing encounter with Jesus. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garments for his strip for work and threw himself into the sea. Why is he throwing clothes on? Like we do the opposite in this country. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, I get distracted. The other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. 
Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled in the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. That number is significant. We'll talk about that in footnotes. Stay tuned. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. I think that's significant too. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, this was now the third time that he was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Peter returns to fishing. He returned to the family business. And it looks like Peter has given up on discipleship. And there's, there's more to talk about, like why, why do I land there? Listen to footnotes, because I, I think it'll make sense. But just go with me in this for, trust me a little bit and go with me with this a little bit. Peter is a spiritually mature person. He spent three years with Jesus. His character is completely changed. He understands the heart of God as taught by Jesus. Peter's going to be a better employer because of his experience with Jesus. Peter's going to, he's going to be a better neighbor. He's going to be more intentional about his attendance to worship service. Like Peter's going to be a pillar within the community because of his experience with Jesus. But there's one problem. Peter is not living out what he was designed for. He's not living out what Jesus told him he was to do. And that's the problem. Like, like you and I might look at this situation and going, nice job, Peter. Way to be faithful to God. But Peter on the inside, I think, is dying. Because he knows. He knows what he's been called to. But he doesn't know how to do it. He doesn't know how to get from here to there. He doesn't know how to get past his failure. And I identify with Peter. I felt the call of ministry in 1994 and attended Bible school in Spokane. That's where I met Christy, we got married, um, served in numerous ministry roles at our church there. I was being discipled by our associate pastor. And finances became an issue for our young family. Uh, Christy was pregnant with Jacob. Um, when I looked at the, our bills for the month and our income for the month, they didn't match up. <laughs> So I was working for the church. I, we were there. We were at the church almost every day of the week. Um, but left the church as employee and started working for the guard full time. And instantly made twice as much as I had been making up to that point. And I tried doing ministry and serve in the military for 14 years, but I became disillusioned. I became frustrated. It was, it was really too much. 
I was pastoring three retirement homes at one point uh, for about a five-year period, and every Saturday I wrote a sermon. Uh, every Saturday that I wasn't doing something for the guard, I was writing a sermon. And every Sunday that I wasn't doing something for the guard, I was giving three sermons throughout the day. And that was my weekly existence. Um, it took a lot. While I was in the military, I talked about returning to ministry the whole time. I thought I was gonna, this was going to be a short-term gig with the guard that I was just going to spend a little bit of time with them. And um, yet when it came to the time when I retired from the military, I didn't jump back into ministry because I, I still, I didn't know how to get from here to there. Financially, I didn't know how to, how to, how to make it work because I went from making twice as much when I started, I was making twice as much uh, as I was working in the church. In, in the end, I was making twice as much as that. Like the problem just got bigger. The gap got bigger. The problem got wider. The challenges more concrete. And so instead of, instead of going into the ministry, I went and worked at my parents' shop. I went and worked in their our family business, because that felt comfortable. Like I think Peter felt going fishing. So let's continue our story. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. Then he said to him a third time, which is significant, footnotes. If, if, if you don't know that you need to dial in the footnotes this week, by now, I haven't helped you out enough. Um, he's... A third time. Somewhere in here it says third time. Um, Peter was grieved. Do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but... When you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show what kind of death he would glorify God. And saying this, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. Jesus is having a discipleship conversation with Peter. He said, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And we know that John records the conversation that Jesus has when he calls himself the, the good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And now he's asking Peter to step into the role that he had taken, that Jesus had lived out. Jesus is inviting Peter into a new family business. 
of caring for sheep. Jesus restores Peter in like manner of his failure. He then invites Peter back to his calling. And so we know that Peter three times denied Christ. And Jesus invites him to affirm his love for Christ three times. And he tells Peter to become the spiritual parent that he was called to be. Let's bring the graphic back up. Thank you, Nitra. Um, so share, connect, minister, disciple others to disciple others. Up to this point, Peter has shared his faith. He's connected people to Jesus. He's been trained to minister. But if he doesn't disciple others to disciple others, the process isn't complete. And if he doesn't disciple others to disciple others, you and I don't get the opportunity to celebrate God like we get to today. For 2,000 years, men and women have faithfully discipled others so that you and I could sit here and enjoy what we get to enjoy. And I don't know how long the Lord will tarry, but the question is, who will get to sit in a similar seat because of what you and I choose to do together? That's what I wrestle with. That's the question I want to answer. And here's the deal. Our fears, our failures, our brokenness will attempt to lead us away from the path that Christ called us to. Our fears, failures, and our brokenness will try to lead us astray. You may fear what you don't know. You may fear rejection. You may fear repercussions for following Christ. I know that when I was in the military, uh, you know, people would talk about separation of church and state. And so there was this conversation that you can't talk about your faith because you're, you work for the government. I don't think it was any easier 2,000 years ago, though. But this is something that I wrestled with. And your failures will try to define you. Your failures will try to define you. Peter had denied Jesus three times. How many times have we taken on the term liar in someone's eyes because we told a lie? Or, or failure because we've, we've, we've failed? When, how many times have we taken a, uh, an action word and that became a noun for, for our, our, new, our new identity, an identity that Christ didn't give us. Words from the enemy. And we all experience brokenness on some level. I know for me, believing God about God things, believing God about what he says about himself is easy for me to accept. Believing God about what God says about me, phew, I see too many problems for me to believe those things sometimes. I wonder if Peter's brashness, you know, he's the one that said, let me walk on water with you, Jesus, for a couple seconds, right? <laughs> 
He's the one that clothes himself and jumps into the water, like throws himself. I love that, that language. He threw himself into the water. Sounds like he did a belly flop. Yeah. <laughs> belly flop for Jesus. Um, he was always the first to answer questions that Jesus asked. Some would say that he's the oldest. I think maybe he's just brash. And one of his brashness was just a veil for his insecurities, the brokenness that he didn't want to be true about himself. And maybe I just wonder those things because I know that my own insecurities that I've wrestled with over my 49 years. Jesus ends the conversation with Peter where he started. Did you notice that? Matthew 4.19, follow me. At the end of John 21, follow me. Jesus restores Peter because our God is a God of restoration. He's a God of redemption. And we need that restoration. We need that rest redemption. We serve a God whose mercies are new every morning. It's one of my favorite verses. I am so great grateful that his mercies are new every morning because uh, today I need them. It's kind of hard driving to church and wanting to turn around and go the other way and then realizing, oh yeah, you're the lead pastor. <laughs> that's not a great way to start your Sunday. Oh wait, that's me. I'm in charge of this thing. I guess I got to go. Pete, Logan, it was almost you, your guitar string, and no backup plan. <laughs> But whatever God has called you to, however he has gifted you, in whatever way God wants you to advance his kingdom through you, know that it begins and ends with following him. It begins and ends with following him. My fears are big. Sometimes. My failures are big sometimes. My brokenness just seems too big for me to, to handle. There's not a fear, a failure, or brokenness that's too big for Jesus. And so that's why we're encouraged to look to, our, to the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the author of our faith. He perfects it. He's the one that when we choose to engage with him today, again, and again, again, that he'll lead us through all those things. Beyond our fears, beyond our failures, past our brokenness. And so the implication is this. Jesus calls you to follow him to be changed by him, to be on mission with him, finish well. And if I hadn't already printed the bulletins, I would say this, 
follow well. Follow Jesus well. Because he's worth following. Our application comes out of 1 Peter 5. And I think in terms of... Um, well, I, when I read the apostles' writing, the men that had spent face-to-face time with Jesus, that lived out discipleship, and I always listened to the words as, these were the, what do you want to say to me about your experience with Jesus and about your experience of being a disciple maker? Like, what is it that you want to say? Because that's, like, we only have two books from Peter. They're pretty short, but they're pretty powerful. Peter says this, So I exhort the elders among you, this is the mature believers, as, as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Notice that he doesn't talk about his own failure. Jesus has taken care of that. So he doesn't have to bring that up. But he, he watched Christ suffer. And he is a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd a flock of God that is among you. Amazing. Sounds like that last conversation with Jesus on the seashore made a difference. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. So the Apostle Paul, or Peter, sorry, says to you and I, if you're a mature disciple, shepherd the flock. If you are a mature disciple, shepherd the flock. That's, that's what we're called to. And then he says, uh, and when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive your unfading crown of glory Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to your elders. So he has one thing to say to those of you who are new in Christ. Follow the lead of the mature. Follow the lead of the mature. And then he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So whether you are mature in Christ, you've been doing this for a while, you know, I've been doing this for 40-some years, or you're new in Christ, be humble towards each other. And he really hits this home with those who are mature. Why do we need to be humble? Probably because we all are cut from the same cloth. We all make mistakes. We all have fears. We all have failures. We all have brokenness. And we're going to have to just love each other through that. So that's application. If you're a mature disciple, shepherd a flock. If you're a new disciple, follow the lead of the mature. Wherever you are at in your discipleship, be humble. Do we have the graphic? We had another graphic. I don't think... We got that to you. 
No other graphic. Okay. It was colorful, full of humility, right in the middle. Listen to footnotes. That won't help, but because uh, it's a radio thing. It's a podcast thing. It's an audio thing. It's something. Yeah. We'll show you on Instagram. Um, as we move into communion, maybe this is a time for you to receive some restoration from the Father. Maybe this is a time for you to talk to the Father about fear, failure, brokenness, something that's keeping you from at times moving forward down the path that Christ has designed you for. So let's talk to the Father. We'll grab the elements. We'll take them together in just a moment. We've talked about the Gideon story throughout this series, how Gideon started in the wine press. He was hiding, and then he was called to tear down the altar of his father. So he does that, but he does that in the night. But then he starts, he's, he's building a little, little bit of courage, a little more courage as he goes. And when he lays the fleece, it's, it's on the threshing floor, which is where he should have started to begin with. And then the next scene, he's picking 300 men to go up against 120,000. And he trusts the Lord by this time of the story. It's good stuff. Did you know that he created an ephod, which, which only the priests were supposed to wear? He wasn't a Levite. She's creating a Levitical priest item at the very end of his story, and it causes all of Israel to chase after this. They start worshiping this creation instead of worshiping the creator. Gideon didn't finish well. Peter denied Christ three times. His story almost didn't finish well. Christ came to him. That's the difference. Christ came to him. I pray that we could be a people that will pursue the broken. Sent out another text this week. Friend back in saying, we want you back. I can keep pursuing. Jesus pursued you and me through the cross. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. Let's remember our Lord. Jesus, thank you for pursuing us. Thank you for the people that you've used to help you pursue me. I've needed it. Lord, uh, I pray that we would be Come great at just simply following you, 
not become distracted, not become disillusioned, not become frustrated, fearful, angry, prideful, whatever. Pray that we wouldn't allow our brokenness, our failures, our fears get in the way of simply following you. Lord, those are big things. Some of the things that we worry about, they're big. They're bigger than we are. But they're not bigger than you. I pray that we live out discipleship well in this town. We love you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you.